This is the Work and With series, presented by your host, Haley Sudbury. Listen in each month to find out who we're working with. Haley sits down with some of the world's most exciting leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the companies they love, their definition of success, and the real secret behind it all, their superpower. I'm here with Brenda Trinoden, Chair of the 30% Club and Head of the ANZ's Financial Institution Group for Europe. So, Brenda, thanks for joining us this morning in the office. It's um, 7.30. We are the only people here. That's a millennial organisation for you, even though I'm slightly older than a millennial, but it's, it's, it's great to have you here. Could you give us some context about the um, 30% Club and what it's set out to achieve originally and um, where you see it heading over the next five years? Sure. Well, I guess first it's, it's important to, um, to really say what the club is and what it isn't, because I think there are some misconceptions and the word club probably um, leads to some wrong connotations. What it actually is, it's a, it's a campaign, and it's a campaign of women and men working together to really lead change within their own organizations. So we set off um, in 2011, really um, down to a frustration of women's networks not really moving women ahead and, and making a difference. And so uh, the founders, Helena Morrissey and Baroness Mary Gowdy, decided that they needed the people that were in charge, and sadly the men in charge, to really help lead that change. And so our first campaign was a campaign uh, to have chairmen sign up to lead the change in their organizations, to have 30% women on their boards by 2015. And a lot of people say, why 30%? That's not very ambitious. It should be 50%. Well, at that point, uh, we were at 12.5% of women on FTSE 100 boards. And so we needed a goal that was attainable and that people could actually see in the horizon, um, but also one that was meaningful. And 30% research has shown is really the tipping point when any group that, that is um, in the minority, and in a particular group, um, really can start to make a difference. So I, I often use the example that if you're in a group of 10 and you're the only woman, then everything you say, people hear it as, as the women's comment. You know, that's, that's a female you know, um, comment. That's, that's, you know, it's, it's tainted by the fact that you're a woman. If you're two in the group, people confuse your names. Even if you're completely different, they, they get you mixed up. And, and it happens to me still all the time. Um, but by the time you're three, then you're actually heard in your own voice and you can start to make a difference. And so for us, 30% is the minimum. It's not the end game, but it's the minimum that we need to have sustainable change. So now um, roll on to 2017 and we, uh, by the end of 2015, we reached 26%. Um, we're now at 28% women on FTSE 100 boards, but we've started a new campaign to 2020. And the campaign is really focused, A, on, on broadening our scope on boards from the FTSE 100 to the FTSE 350, but more importantly, on moving down into the organizations and looking at the pipeline. And so we're asking the CEOs to sign up now to 30% women in their senior leadership teams. And we're really trying to get companies to think about how they build that pipeline, how they create the programs internally to really change the culture, make their organizations more inclusive, attract, retain, promote more women. And once again, it's, it's, it's not a women's group, it's not a women's network. It's really about getting more balance 
and really getting more inclusive organizations that are better for women and men. So, I mean, on that, I mean, I heard you quoted in a in an article recently around really this idea of taking it well beyond the boardroom, I guess, and then from from posters into into real action. I think you know it's never a better better time for this change because you've got everything from the UN's he for she campaign where CEOs are now actively signing up to this. Men are saying, actually, I want to I want to be this. You know, um, I am yes for gender parity. Um, you've got the Treasury's Women in Finance Charter as well. There seems to be a real swell around this activity. What are your thoughts around making this and turning this into real action and moving it from the sign-up and the yes into then real tangible action in an organisation? Well, I think that's absolutely critical because we, we still do see a fair bit of um, what's been termed as pinkwashing. And you know, it's it's the companies that sponsor all the you know female-friendly adverts. They sponsor um, conferences and things. But when you actually look at their um, C-suite teams, you know, the senior leadership teams, they're still male-dominated, and so they're not actually you know leading by example. They're not actually doing anything. And so the first thing um, that you need is you need the CEO to really care about this and to care deeply and to really want to make the change because it's good for their business. You know, so this isn't about what's fair or what's right. You know, obviously we think it, it is fair, but companies really need to think this will make their business better. So that's the first thing. The CEO has to be bought into it. Um, the second thing is companies have to be brave to really do an analysis and see where their, their challenges are. So, you know, they've got to develop metrics, they've got to set targets, and then they've got to report on those targets regularly. And I think a classic example is, you know, a CEO will ask their HR department to give them some figures on how well they're doing on this. And, you know, the HR department is worried that if the figures aren't good, then it'll look like they're failing. So you can always find a way to show numbers that, that make it look like you're doing a good job. Well, the, the companies that really care will actually, you know, decide what they want to know. They'll actually delve into the tough figures and they'll admit where their challenges are. So one example is um, a company that, that we spoke to several years ago decided to look and see um, what the gap was between um, promotions. And so they said, we want to see how long men are in role versus women at a certain level. They thought there might be a small gap. And it was an investment bank, and they're looking at vice president level, and they found that the gap was that women spent on average six years longer in role than men in that organization, in that area at that level. And obviously that's something that you can't just explain through, through um, some maternity leave or, or things like that. And so, you know, that company was really brave. They discussed it internally, they looked at it, they tried to understand why that was, and then they set about setting some targets in that area. When I've asked other companies, you know, to look at that particular stat, most companies say, oh, we don't have that data. But most companies really just don't, they don't want to. So, you know, companies have to be brave and, you know, we can all use data now. Data is, is the new powerful tool that we have. So, so they need to actually start, you know, figuring out where their challenges are. And then it, it's around, you know, having um, sponsorship programs, you know, thinking about how do they identify their talented women? How do they actually move them through the organization? Because until you get better balance, um, at the most senior levels and, and starting to get throughout the organization, you're not going to change the culture, which means you're not going to attract women, you're not going to keep women, and you're not going to get you know, that, that change and in, in shift in, in mindset that you need. Um, I think it's also about you know, being brave around the discussion. 
You know, nowadays people are worried about saying the wrong thing, men in particular, you know, that they, they, they often think, gosh, you know, if I, if I say this, will I, you know, will I be sued or will I offend people? And so I think we need to create some safe spaces for some honest discussion for women and men. Um, there are lots and lots of things, but I, I think that the main thing is really wanting to do it, buying into it and, you know, developing the metrics, setting the targets and then, and then measuring it. So being brave, I love it, I love it. What difference do you think it makes to have more women leading companies? I think it makes a huge difference. Um, all of the research shows that when you have more women at the top of companies, uh, you get better financial performance. You know, we've had research from Catalyst, Credit Suisse, McKinsey, Peterson, you know, many others. Um, so you know, women in the C-suite and at board level are associated with higher profitability. Uh, research also shows improved innovativeness and decision making. Um, we know that diverse groups are better at problem solving than homogeneous groups. Um, but also, I think that there's a little bit about, you know, once you have more women in senior roles, and I talked earlier about attracting women, it's, it's about role models. And it's about, you know, women looking up and, and, you know, you need to see it to be it is, is an expression I've heard quite often. And I think until you actually can see more women, you know, throughout the company in, in actual P&L roles and roles that, that actually have power, um, it's, it's very difficult for companies to say that, you know, that they're, they're actually, you know, buying into it and, and making a difference. Um, also, I think women typically, and, and you know, this is on, on average, have more collaborative leadership styles. And, you know, I think that, that now, especially with millennials coming in, they're preferring environments that are more collaborative, less command and control, you know, less hierarchical. And so, you know, it's about different styles. And once again, we don't think women are better than men. Men aren't better than women. We need more balance. We need a, a different um, mix in style set to really take advantage of, of all those different skill sets. You've talked about the importance of promoting agile working. How do you see that panning out in the finance sector? And how do you overcome the gendered presumptions around who can work flexibly? Yeah, I think um, I think it's it's the stigma around some of that agile working. Um, and once again, I think the companies that stand out are the ones that, you know, remove it as a. First of all, don't talk about it as flexible working because flexible implies, you know, part time or people think about a woman with a, you know a baby on her hip at home and maybe a laundry basket on on the other hip. Um, <laughs> You know, agile is, is the right word. And I think it's got to be about women and men. And it's got to be, you know, companies really rewarding um, results and outcome as opposed to presenteeism. And you're right, the financial sector, I think, has the biggest issue with this because it's got old style mindsets. It's got people who think I did it this way and that's what made me successful. Everyone else has to work that way. Um, I have, in the last couple of, of roles that I've had, I've opened up Agile working to my whole team. And it's been quite interesting to see some of the men take it up, you know, as much or more than the women. Um, one, one of the guys who worked for me in a previous job had two young daughters who he never saw. And, uh, and he really welcomed the opportunity once a week to work from home, take his daughters to school, you know, have dinner with his daughters. And I tell you, he worked well into the night because he didn't want to lose that privilege. And he became my best performer for the next two years. You know, his whole mindset shifted. 
And so I think, you know, companies need to really highlight and profile the fact that this is about everyone. It's, it's not a female issue. And I think they need to showcase, you know, that, that this is a, a results culture. It's not a presenteeism culture. So I guess hindsight is a brilliant thing and you're a very accomplished woman. You've had a lot of senior roles in the finance sector, particularly in the UK. What didn't you know when you started out and how would you do things differently now? Well, I, I never like to look back and, and think about regret because I think everything, everything that, that you do in your life, you know, is, is useful and you learn a lot from, from your life. You know, we're all a collection of our experiences. But I guess if I think about the advice that I give to, to younger people starting out, um, I think looking around and finding good mentors and good sponsors early on in your career is incredibly important. And, you know, I was very fortunate um, to have a couple of very good mentors, which I, I didn't really realize that they were at the time. Um, and I think if I had thought more, I, I would have been more um, deliberate in thinking about it in certain, certain jobs that I had. I think the other thing that I've learned over time as well is the importance of um, asking for feedback and really being open to feedback, both good and bad, and acting on that feedback. It's, it's something I've learned later on in my career, and the best bosses that I've had have been ones that have been really good on giving feedback, um, as I say, good and bad, and, uh, and I think that that's something we all need to be better at. So you've, you've mentioned mentors, and maybe you didn't quite realize that they were mentors at the time. Can you maybe share a little bit more around who it was that championed you along the way? Sure. Well, I guess um, now looking back in, in hindsight, I can spot sort of three mentors that, that, really, um, that really changed things for me. I mean, first of all, um, my aunt and uncle uh, were very important mentors for me when I set off for university and, and were great role models. And my uncle advised me to get involved in the international business group at university, which I eventually became president of and uh, went on my first international posting um, in Hong Kong on graduation. So, so that was really important. And, and there were lots of good bits of advice and, and coaching that, uh, that both my aunt and uncle gave me. In one of my early jobs um, in the city, I had a phenomenal boss um, who always encouraged me that I could do things that I didn't think I could. And, and it meant that I wanted to really stretch myself and, and to please him. And, and, uh, and you know, he gave me feedback in a way, even when he was critical, that it was very positive and very constructive. And, uh, and he got me my first work permit in the UK and, and really opened up um, my eyes to emerging markets. And so he was, he was incredibly important. And then my last one um, has really been a sponsor. And I've worked with her at two different companies now. Um, and she um, has been phenomenal in terms of helping me build my profile, opening up opportunities, but also the feedback that I talked about. You know, she gives me feedback all the time. Um, sometimes quite tough feedback that isn't always um, easy to hear, but, but I really appreciate that she takes the time to do it. And there aren't many bosses that, that spend the time giving the hard feedback because it's not a pleasant thing to do. But, uh, but, it, but I, I really appreciate it and I think it's, it's really made a difference to me. And, uh, and as a result, I will be undyingly loyal to that sponsor um, throughout my, my whole career. 
So uh, we, we spoke earlier how we actually, I have a banking career as well, and we've crossed paths with a, with a few people. And if I decided to leave what I'm doing now in, uh, in technology and, and move back into the banking world and I came to, to work for you tomorrow, what would be the first thing I'd notice about the way you do things at ANZ? Um, well, I think I guess it's quite an open team where I work. Um, we're known for being very collaborative. Um, we we like to, to work with, with all the other teams, you know, in, in, in the branch. Um, but we, we're really about having fun together and, you know, respecting each other. So we often bake and bring in, you know, things. We share books. Um, but one of the best things, I really love music. And so I have a big speaker in my office. And everyone knows that on a, on a Thursday morning, quite often, if you're in early, we have a bit of a dance-off. Um, so... Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a good way to kind of connect with people. Everyone can share what type of music they like. And, uh, and I guess it's, it's, it's just quite a, a fun group. And I think if you like your colleagues and you get on well, then, um, then you know, you'll do well. I've always had a rule that I wouldn't have anyone in my team that I wouldn't have in my home. And most of my colleagues have been to my home. So, uh, so it works very well for me. I think I just actually need to know a little bit more about the Thursday morning dance off and is is it a strictly come dancing style or is it hip hop of what actually No happens? it's 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 typically hip hop and it's usually you know quite positive upbeat songs so you know as i say i'm i'm open so it can be a current song it can be an old song i mean we quite like dancing to september by earth wind and fire but uh, but you know, everybody who's around at the time gets involved including our ceo if she's in so um Fantastic. So it's good fun. We're a fan of the, the power ballads here as well to, to G up before the, the, the big meetings. So you shared the dance off, which I think it just sounds fantastic. If I went in and asked your team what you would like to work with, what would they say to me? Well, I've had lots of 360s, so, um, so I have a rough idea of, of what they say when, when they know that, uh, that I don't know who's saying it. Um, but typically, they, they say um, that I'm very high energy um, and, uh, and that I'm very collaborative. Um, I think they all know that I've got their backs and that, um, that I'm you know, really keen on championing the team and, and on promoting them, but, um, but also that I don't micromanage. You know, I'm very happy to delegate to my team and then I get involved when, when they need me to get involved. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's a good understanding between us. How do you approach the difficult conversations with your team? That's always been a challenging thing um, because, you know, I, th I think you do need to sometimes have the difficult conversations uh, for everyone's good. Um, usually I start with some positives. Um, I think it's always easier if you can start with, with a you know, positive outset and then really keep it objective, professional, you know, unemotional and very focused on the outcome. You know, if you're having a difficult conversation with someone, it's for a reason. And, you know, either it's, it's you know, t giving them some advice to make them better or something that's not working that needs to be fixed. Um, and so, uh, so I try to be very, very focused on what the outcome is and then how, you know, we're going to get there together. So apart from dancing, what is your superpower? That's easy. Um, I'm, uh, I'm incredibly resilient and very positive. Um, at the beginning of this year, I, I went through um, a very, very tough battle with cancer. 
Um, I had 10 hour surgery in, in January and had the, the, what I think now is a very positive experience of facing my own mortality. Um, and, uh, and I've had a, a huge group of friends who've rallied around and, and with the big Wonder Woman theme. Um, and, and the big thing that people keep coming back with is, is resilience. And I think, you know, resilience is something everybody should have as their superpower. But, um, but I'm, very, uh, I'm very pleased that, that I have it. And, and that combined with a very positive mindset has really helped me out hugely. Well, you have an absolute healthy glow for, for what it's worth. So absolutely you. picture of health. That's fantastic news. So you've mentioned, you know, the challenge with cancer and you've got a group of friends around you, but who is it that you do pick up the phone to when things get tough? Well, other than my, my amazing husband, who, uh, who has always been, been there for me through thick and thin, rather than picking up the phone, um, I usually pick up my trainers and, and go for a run. Um, so I've got a fantastic running buddy, and we, we download to each other uh, in our weekly runs. And when, uh, when I was going through a difficult time um, with my health scare, I needed to get as fit as possible for surgery. And so she would get up with me at 5.30 every morning. We'd don our headlamps in December and, and run in Knoll Park in the dark with the deer. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I, th I think, you know, those running conversations um, have been phenomenal. And, uh, and whenever I, I need a good chat, as I say, I pick up the trainers, give her a call, and we go for our run. Fantastic. So it sounds like it's been a fantastic journey so far. There's been challenges, but clearly some great wins. And you're someone who's a great leader, who loves dancing. I mean, I feel like we should maybe do, be doing more of a desert island disc style, given your love for music. Next time. Next time. <laughs> but tell me, what does success look like for you? Success for me um, is making a difference. So um, I, I really... I'm very focused on thinking that I want to spend my time doing things that have an impact. They don't have to be world-changing impact. You know, I, I like having an impact on people around me, people in my team. When I see them get promoted or get the next job that they want, then, then that's success. Um, in the 30% club, signing up new chairs and CEOs or seeing them start to really get it is success. Um, you know, in, in the mentoring that I do, seeing the mentees you know actually get what they wanted out of the out of the mentoring relationship is is success so um i am um, i jump out of bed in the morning with with the hope every day that i can make a difference somehow that's how i define success fantastic well thank you for your time thank you very much it's been a pleasure you've been listening to the working with podcast series you can find us on iTunes and at workinwith.com. That's W-E-R-K-I-N with.com. Dot